Hello, mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go. Hello, and welcome to Operation Silver Screen. This cinema-related operation has been created to clear our dust from stacks of open cases. And what are these cases? Well, even being the film lovers that we are, Bright and I still have a huge backlog of must-see films that we still need to experience. So each week we'll tackle a film that either one of us or both of us still need to see. We will then provide a debrief of our week's mission, given our outlook on the film's popularity and significance, as well as providing our opinion on whether or not it is worth seeing and other fun insights. So Brian, what was our mission this week? So our assignment this week took us to what I thought was a modern film, but then realized that it was released over 20 years ago. Uh, so <laughs> just let that settle in for a quick second. And the movie we're going to be talking about today is a B-E-A-U-T-Full Mind. But what is the mind if not beautiful and puzzling? Caitlin, this movie is a movie that we both haven't seen. Isn't that correct? Yep, that's correct. Was this on your radar at all? No, it really wasn't. Um, It seemed like a... Kind of your stereotypical inspirational Oscar bait film to me. So I didn't really have much interest, and I thought it was going to be similar to things that I've already seen. Yeah, I knew, I was going to say I knew of this movie. I, I did want to actually watch this movie. There was a time that I wanted to watch it, but then I started holding it off because, much like Million Dollar Baby uh, that we talked about and other movies on my list, such as Shutter Island, I didn't watch this movie because I already knew the the ending I mean not the ending but I knew the twist like I knew like what this movie was really known for also Orphan is on that list finally watched Orphan though last year uh, but yeah so I, I I wanted to watch this I guess I was just kind of waiting for like for me to kind of forget about the twist but that never happened so just had to go into it and do know that our first portion of this show is going to be spoiler free so no worries continuing ahead when we do get to that spoiler portion I'll go ahead and give you guys a warning don't worry about it now, this is a rather acclaimed film. This has a 8.2 on IMDb. It, this is in the top 250, which I found surprising. It has a 74% critic rating and a 93% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I found unexpected. Uh, like you said, this kind of seemed like an Oscar bait movie. I thought this was something that the critics were going to love, especially when I saw that 8.2 on IMDb. But it turns out the audience liked this uh, a lot more than the critics. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by that as well. Now, this did do really well at the Oscars. It won Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress for our lovely Jennifer Conley, who is always mm, a delight to see on screen. lovely. Best Director and Best Adaption Screenplay. This also got some nominations as well and some kind of significant things as well in the nominations. Uh, so in the nominations, one of the things that I found interesting is that Russell Crowe was only nominated for this film. He did not win Best Actor. However, everything before this, he was winning. Like, he was sweeping away. So it looked like he was going to win the Oscars. Like, he won the Golden Globes. I uh, believe he won the um, the SAG. And all the awards that when you see people winning it, it's like, okay, they're going to get the Oscar. But no, he lost out to Denzel Washington for Training Day, which I, I agree with. I've never seen Training Day. Oh, yeah. that's. Did we put that on the list? We updated our list. I don't think I put that on there. I guess we'll have to. Yes, most definitely. Ethan Hawke's in that as well. Uh, this also got nominated for Best Editing and Best Makeup, which of course it did because it has old people makeup in it. Not makeup for old people, but makeup <laughs> that makes you look old. The Oscars absolutely love that. Uh, and uh, nominated for Best Original Score. This was also, Russell Crowe had a really good career. Uh, this was his third consecutive year in which he was nominated for not only Best Actor, but the movie that he was nominated for Best Actor that movie was also up for Best Picture. So it was Gladi it was Insider, and then it was Gladiator. Interesting. Okay. Did you have anything as well for your awards? Yeah, you mentioned there was uh, some Golden Globes won for this film as well. It did win four Golden Globes for Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Screenplay from a Motion Picture. Uh, Best Actor, of course, you mentioned went to Russell Crowe, and then Best Supporting Actress went to Jennifer Connelly. You mentioned that Russell Crowe also won that SAG Award. Ron Howard also won a DGA Award, and the screenplay by writer Akiva Goldsman won a WGA Award. It it went on to gross over $313 worldwide as well, so it uh, was against a 50, I think it's 58, I could be wrong on that, uh, budget. So it did 
do well at the box office. And I will say, I was looking at this film and its competition in the Oscars, and this is actually one where I have seen all of the nominations in the 2002 Academy Award run for Best Picture, personally. Oh, I wonder if I've seen them all as well. Uh, I don't think so. It was this one, uh, Godsford Park, Moulin Rouge, In the Bedroom, and The Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of Rings. See Moulin Rouge and Fellowship of the Ring. I'm not sure if I've seen In the Bedroom. Yeah. We might have to put In the Bedroom and Godsford Park on our for shameless. I'll have to look a little bit more into those. Is In the Bedroom the one with, uh, what's her face? Uh, yes, what's her face? <laughs> yes, what's, what's her face? The, the jo- Johnny Depp and Tim Burton? Uh, Bellatrix and Harry Potter? No, it has uh, to see Spacek. Oh, yeah, no, never mind. And Marissa Tomei? Nope. Never seen it. Oh, wait, wait. Hold up. I may have seen that. Now that you say Marissa Tomei, I may have seen that. You'll have to look it up. But it's directed by Todd Field, who is um, getting some press right now for his work. Tar, right? Yes. Oh, that was Todd Field? Okay, I did see In the Bedroom, but it's one of those movies that like I instantly forgot about when I watched it. To those who don't know, A Beautiful Mind is about a biopic portraying the life of a real-world mathematician, John Nash, as he attempts to make his mathematical mark in history. However, his life becomes a bit complicated after he accepts a job in cryptography. Not to be confused with cryptocurrency. (laughs) Now, Caitlin, what did you think of this movie? This is a film that I can understand why many like it. Uh, I think it hits a lot of marks for films that are considered to be good. And I think that it has some good things going for it. But this film in particular... It takes place through a large amount of time. And because of this, you get a lot of time skips in this film. And for me, I think that really, really was a detriment to this film. Just the large amount of time that this was covering. Because for me, the emotional resonance for this film just was not there because of these time skips. I think it made it very hard to really get invested into what's going on in this film. And I think that while these are good performances and that the characters have things going for them that you would want to get emotionally invested i just think it's very much undercut by the film itself yeah i I, my opinion is much aligned with yours i think this was this was very by the numbers and again it was very by the numbers up till they got to like the real selling point of this film which is the reveal and then from there they paint some more numbers but it does become more of an interesting story. Uh, I think I think it's like that first half or almost two thirds. They're just kind of running, like they're just mm-hmm. they're like, hey, we want to get to this point super quick. And you're sitting there, you're trying to like sprint up to them, and you just ask them like, whoa, 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 slow down. What was that about? And they're like, we we don't got time to explain. Keep going. Yeah, I wrote in my notes that the speed run through the character intro really makes the emotional toll of his academic struggles that come in the first act they really just fall flat you don't really care for his struggles or really understand his struggles that goes for the romance as well i wanted to feel more for jennifer Connolly's character uh, in the latter portion of this film but i just i couldn't yeah I, I agree i think that it does it a little bit better than the first uh part of the film but i i would agree with that also something that was lacking in this film and maybe because i'm just a nerd but I wanted to know more about the mathematics. No, so I hate math. I absolutely hate math. I can't stand it. I I don't like it. Uh, But I actually wrote that as well, that I wanted to to see more of that in the film because I think when you're talking a lot about this person's accomplishments and particularly his mathematical accomplishments and what he's working on, uh, it doesn't really dive into that. So I can't feel that he has accomplished something because I don't really know or understand what he has accomplished because the film doesn't, it just tells you that he's accomplished. He doesn't really go into why very well. Yeah. There's a moment that he has like this huge epiphany and he just goes in and he starts writing numbers and then he turns it into, to the Dean or whatever. And he starts flipping through it. He's like, Oh man, this is going to turn the world upside down. And they're like, dang, right. It is. And then I'm sitting here and going, Oh yeah. How, how's it going to turn? What, what, wait, where are we? We're gone. He got a job. Mm-hmm. What's going? So I just like at some points I just expected somebody to come in pregnant, having his child. Like that's how fast we're going through this. They yada yada a lot. They didn't even yada yada. Like they didn't even bother with the yada yada. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. 
they just, they just went through it. Like he made his equations, which I read were accurate to the actual equations that the real real life John Nash had wrote. But again, this film doesn't explain it. So like I never, and he won a Nobel prize for what he had done. And you don't even get, you don't even get like a, a sense of it. Yeah. They even consulted a mathematics professor that was David Baer. I forget what university he was a part of, uh, but they had a consult on four of the mathematical equation, mathematic equations, but they just, I don't know. I feel like it was underutilized. Like it was all there on the boards, but it just wasn't gone into detail. I feel like maybe they were just in the class just taking pictures of what he was doing and not listening at all. Or maybe they just couldn't comprehend and put it on the screen. Because there's, there's like nothing. There's just there's not even really that many mathematical words being thrown around that you would expect. Mm-mm. Like at least when yeah. you're watching a, a hospital drama of some sort, you know, you, you, you hear all those hospital words going around. You're like, okay, something's being done. I may not be able to track fully, but something's being done. Yeah, I was like, maybe I just don't understand math. <laughs> I don't know, because <laughs> something's just not coming across here. No, I I I understand math, and I was uh, I even like I recognized some of the symbols and understood a little bit of what was going on. But and, and I say a little bit, yeah, I, very very small amount because my math knowledge mm-hmm. isn't that great. Like I understand it, but yeah, even for me, I was like, okay, are you going to explain any of this though? No, all right, and and again, that's that's a. Uh, it's kind of disappointing to hear because that was a major portion of his life, but they want to get to the other portion so badly that they skip over why he won a Nobel Prize. Yeah, they did. And then at some point towards the end, he's working on something big and he's really working hard towards it, but then you don't really know what comes of that because I don't think that was part of what he got the Nobel Prize for. It was for something else that he was working on and I just never know if what he was doing there ever came to fruition or ever came to anything, it just kind of drops it immediately. I think I was also interested as well because he was giving some thought to governing physics, which uh, I never had a word to associate with, with my thoughts with that because I give, I've given similar thought to that. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm like, this is my first time seeing somebody else, you know, bringing up this sort of topic. Let me see where they go with it. And again, maybe it's, I'm just because I'm a nerd, but like you said, also, it was maybe it didn't need to go as deep as I was wanting it. But we, we agree it should have gone a, a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now, this film did actually make some good choices, though, uh, which we'll we'll talk about later. But the way it approaches certain issues, I think uh, it, it shows respect for this film more than I was expecting, because I thought I heard something about this movie kind of exploiting uh, exploiting certain things within his life, but then reading up on it. No, they actually, they took a good approach. And John Nash himself uh, approved of this film and said he liked it. He agreed that, hey, it's not it's not completely me. It's, it's not everything about my life, but he did like the portrayal. And as far as biopics go, you know, they do sometimes go, uh, they get real liberal with, with the information they have, taking liberties, not liberal like going left wing. Yeah. Um... I think that the the color grading in this film was fitting and have that warm academic color to it. Uh, I was wondering what you thought about Ron Howard as a director. I've seen a couple of his films, not an extensive amount, but I think this kind of, I think he's a solid director, but I don't think that he's necessarily, he's not like a stylistic director. So coming from watching Slumdog Millionaire, where we had that super stylized directing style onto this film, it was a little bit of a whiplash. I've actually not, I haven't seen too many of his films. Like he's actually still, well, right now he's more of an executive producer than a director. I'm not sure what his last directing film was. Oh, it was actually, no, my bad. I take that back. It was 13 Lives last year. Uh, not mm-hmm. the TV show, the the movie. I have heard really good things about that. I, I caught a little bit. I was liking what I was seeing. Oh, he also did Rush. I, I did like Rush. It was one time, one time like we really got to see Chris Hemsworth outside of being that action hero i'm sorry i'm not a big fan of the Gr- i mean the grinch is a good holiday film like it's fun it's light but it don't like it yeah it's it's not the best i don't like it it's so just uh, i don't i don't like it <laughs> for some reason i always think that's some other director that did that film but it is ron howard oh he did night shift which actually i saw for the first time last year mm. yeah that was a I guess you can say obscure 80s film. But if you want to see something with Michael Keaton in his beginning days, that's a 
That's the movie right there. It also has Henry Winkler in it as well. Anything else you want to say before we go to the influence? I think that in general, the makeup was done well. Something that bothered me in the first part when he's at university is everyone, of course, was way too old to be looking like they're at university. Uh, but, you know, that's, you know, before we had the the better de-aging technology that we have now, so I, I can give it a pass for that. I think that in general, because like I said, this goes through their entire lives, uh, so you do get to see them age, and I think for Russell Crowe, that aging was done really well. Jennifer Connelly, not so much. I thought that her aged look was hilarious because when I saw her, all I could think of was how she reminded me of Kate McKinnon playing Hillary Clinton on SNL. Okay. Yeah, I can see that now. That does become hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they were trying to make her look more like the actress because she looked completely different. Like that did not look like Jennifer Connelly growing old. That looked like a different person. No. I thought he got remarried. They definitely took some uh, liberties there. Yeah. It's like, oh, she she finally left. <laughs> yeah, the the college. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, they were way too old. I mean, at least it wasn't high school. Yeah, that's true. What did you think about the performances in general? In general, I liked them. They were all solid. I don't think anybody kind of really stood out. Like, there was no... I don't know. I don't think there was anything really that groundbreaking or, or that... uh Just that, that... There were no moments that I'm really going to remember. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I think they were good performances. And I know Jennifer Connelly got a lot of hype for her performance i don't know but i would say it was an oscar winning performance in my mind but i think it was a good performance oh wait she had lines <laughs> no she did have her one oscar breakdown moment you know when they play that oscar yeah. reel uh though that one felt oddly timed we'll talk about that in spoilers okay <laughs> yeah that one was i mean it was good but it was like that's i feel like we missed out on a lot here but I think I should have looked it up, but I'm pretty sure. No, no. Because I was thinking, like, uh, when Jennifer Connelly started getting more mature roles, I was thinking, I was wondering if this was the first one, but Reckoning for a Dream came out two years before this. Oh, really? Yeah, 1999. And that's definitely more mature. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And actually, correction, not 1999, 2000. Right there. So, yeah, one year before this. I wonder if this uh, Reckoning for a Dream is what they saw. and was like, you know what? Get her in here. But they did cast mm-hmm. a lot of people for for all these roles. So I don't, I don't like going through all like who could have been. But I found hers to be interesting because it was almost Selma Hayek. I think I saw Brittany Murphy as well. Eddie Murphy. Brittany oh. Murphy. <laughs> I was like, I know Eddie Murphy's been in some makeup before, but. <laughs> oh, I wish it was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I saw saw Brittany Murphy, but they almost went with Selma Hayek because the real Alicia Nash is actually El Salvadorian. Mm. And before you go, and I was like, wait a minute, so wait, is this a case of whitewashing? And you look at the photos of Alicia Nash, and she's she's very uh, pale, very fair skinned. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Selma Hayek's a little tan for Alicia Nash. <laughs> yeah. And what did you have for the influence? Because I'll be honest, I didn't have anything for influence. Of course, there's going to be many parodies and comedies, such as The Simpsons. There's one on American Dad. Uh, there's been a, quite a few references in the show Gilmore Girls to this film. But I think my personal favorite was the Pepe Silvia moment from It's Always Sunny, where Charlie has a breakdown and he has uh, all these maps and newspaper clippings and strings all posted in the mailroom of where he's working. Oh, that's what. OK, I've always seen. I've seen that scene. And now that I think about it, okay, I definitely, I gotta watch that scene again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, one of my favorite It's Always Sunny moments. And I didn't know, I wouldn't have made that connection if I hadn't have read it. But yeah, it, it makes sense. <laughs> now I'm picturing you as Charlie Day with your own maps connecting that scene to this movie. <laughs> it's Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> There wasn't too much I could find for influence. I know that uh, there's a K-drama called A Beautiful Mind that stars Park Sodam, the actress from Parasite. But when I was looking it up, I, I really didn't have anything in common with this film, which is the, just the title. <laughs> and and this is so by by the numbers that it can be related to a lot of films. Yeah. It's more just reinforced formulas rather than build anything new. Yeah. 
Now, I did find a couple things for significance. However, I'm going to have to break this up because I have two, but one of them goes into spoiler territory. Uh, But for the one that I have that's non-spoilery, interestingly, one of the people that had an input into this movie was the mother of a screenwriter. Not sure which one, but they were in the medical field. And either they brought their mom to work one day or they brought their work to mom one day. But her input was that in a particular scene, now in real life, somebody has stopped taking their pills, but the mother said, hey, how about you put in there that he continued taking his pills? That way it's a healthy promotion to other individuals who are taking their pills. Okay, now that's interesting because that was actually something that I questioned when I was watching that scene because I wasn't sure at first what the decision was and then it clarified itself later. But that's cool. Good Props to that mom. I like her. Yeah. And actually, I know exactly where you had that thought and I know exactly where it got cleared up for you because I had the same process. <laughs> yeah. Who would you recommend this film to? I would recommend it to a general audience. Like I said, it's very by the numbers. So I don't think there's too much to be gained from a cinephile watching this if they're trying to learn more about film. But I think a general audience will like this. I mean, I know people who like this movie, so I'll recommend it to them. Yeah, the only thing really that you can probably learn from filmmaking is the the way they made that kind of the university look golden is by leaving the film out in the sun, you know, letting it, giving it one of those like tanning foil things and just leaving it out in a lawn chair. And then they put it back into the camera. And that's how they got that that golden effect. Now that's interesting. Or at least that's what they said. Someone probably just left it out there like, oh crap, oh crap. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I would also recommend this to a general audience. I'm gonna think this, I mean, I, I think I could have gone my life without seeing this film and it, and it would have been fine. There's nothing really significant here. But yeah, it does go by the numbers. It can be inspirational. And it's an interesting story. It's an interesting story to actually go in and, and look into because... Like I said, there's there's more to his life than that's actually portrayed in this film. Now we are going to get into that spoiler portion. So we're going to open up the classified folder. If you do not have clearance, then stop right here. Go watch the movie and then come back. If you don't care about spoilers or clearance or any of that stuff, hey, just keep moving. Uh, Keep listening. Like I said, a big portion of this film is the reveal. And I have to say... If I was having visual hallucinations and Ed Harris was one of them, even if I knew 100% in my mind he was not a hallucination, I would do what he says. Valid. Yeah, true. <laughs> he he was given a great performance. I think he probably actually gave the best performance. Yeah. That and, that, and the little girl. The little girl having to crack yeah. it up. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, I think it's a, a little bit past the halfway point. We find out that he actually has schizophrenia. And he's been having visual hallucinations and that three of the characters in the film are not there and they're delusions that he had created. This goes in to reinforce some extreme paranoia that he has, which he finds out that the the job he accepted was from his own creation. Like he thought that he was getting the um, breaking the code for the for the Russians because this was during the McCarthy era. And he thought he was doing all this top secret work for the government, but hey, turns out that no, he was imagining all this inside of his head. So first off, before we actually talk about like how all that played out, how did you feel about the the actual reveal? So I already knew ahead of time that he would be diagnosed with schizophrenia at some point in this film. I don't think I realized at what point that the hallucination started because I remember I questioned things. So I started questioning things early on, like when he first started talking to William, uh, they kind of walk into a classified area and I'm like, oh, we're just gonna, it's just a walk away. Like, and we're just gonna walk right up to it. Like, this isn't how this should be handled. And so I was questioning stuff, but I didn't know right away that William Parcher was not real. So that reveal did surprise me a bit, but the fact that he has schizophrenia, I did know that was a thing that was going to be present in this film. I just didn't know what what the line was. <laughs> right. I, I did know that certain characters were all in his head. So when Charlie showed up and he said, wait, you're my roommate, I thought I had a room to myself. That's when I thought, okay, I'm not too sure about Charlie. And then... As the film goes on, then I look back, I was like, yeah, him responding so quickly to Charlie being the way that he is, and then also being like, yeah, let's go grab a drink together, Charlie. 
It's like, whoa, that this doesn't seem like that type of character to become that friendly with somebody. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I was a bit confused because going into this movie, like I said, this movie was different than what I expected because I kind of thought it was going to be a little bit more Goodwill Hunting-esque. Like he has a teacher and he's trying to learn and go through school while dealing with schizophrenia, which is not what this film is. It's it's more larger scale than that. So I, you know, I saw signs early on that he was had behaviors that seemed a little bit more like he was on the spectrum to me. So I didn't really know how that related and how they were really going to come across um, showing his actual mental health struggles. So it was interesting. It was interesting the way it went about it. It was different than what I expected. I couldn't remember the number of people. So in my head, like, I don't know, for some reason I had this memory that a bunch of people started surrounding him. So I started probably questioning a little bit, a couple more people like Jennifer Connelly. I started expecting for a little bit because the way that they just get together, it was rather quick, but maybe that's just the way they did it in the fifties. Also kind of unethical and by kind of, I mean, very unethical. <laughs> yeah. Like you may not show up to class, but you're still the teacher. Yeah, I, there was a lot of like a lot of it. I just didn't know if it was just the film's weird way of tackling things or if it wasn't real. <laughs> and sometimes it was a little bit of both. <laughs> now, the the actual so the film actually went on longer than I was expecting with the with the schizophrenia. Like once we had that reveal, I thought it was going to be over. I thought we were we were about to hit the climax and then we were going down. But I was like, oh, no, we're. Like, there's moments I kept thinking, okay, this is the end of the film. No? Okay, we're going? Oh, no, this is the end. No? Okay. And there was one small portion I thought it did go on for a little bit longer than it needed to. Like, when um the people at the campus were making fun of the way he walked as well, I was like, all right, we're just tacking on things for his struggle. We we don't need this. Yeah, I agree. Especially because people aren't like that. I remember even in high school, like, if there was anybody with, like, um like some uh like any uh physical disabilities special needs of that sort you know on that level everybody just let them do their own thing nobody nobody made fun of them or anything yeah i agree i don't think i've ever seen that kind of bullying much in real life because <laughs> there are plenty of other people to bully <laughs> yeah because it, it makes it makes no sense like who's gonna cheer their friend on making fun of somebody like that like it's not their fault they're already like yeah humans can be horrible but not that bad. I, I did like how the film kept going though, like kind of showing how he had to learn how to how he had to learn to live with it, and also some of the problems that it continued to bring. Uh, one of the things that I was wondering throughout the film was how accurate this was to schizophrenia, because I I'm I just now realized that what I mixed up was is that there's a controversy about the way that multiple personality disorder is portrayed in film. It wasn't schizophrenia that gets a lot of flack for the way it's portrayed in film. So I was thinking that this film was doing it wrong. But when I was looking it up, I must have been confusing movies. Um, one big movie is, is Split with James McAvoy, which is a great movie. Uh, but yeah, no, multiple personality disorder doesn't work like that. But when I was looking this up, uh, this actually had uh, a great accuracy to it when it came to schizophrenia. Now, John Nash didn't have visual hallucinations. He had actually auditory hallucinations. So I thought, ah, gotcha, bunch of liars. And then I read the reason why they did it, and it was just to give that visual res rep representation to the audience so that they can have more idea of what was going on. And John Nash was cool with it too, so I was like, all right. Yeah, that was something I noted as well, because not everyone with schizophrenia experiences those full-on visual hallucinations, but obviously film is a visual medium, and so you kind of take creative licenses just to, to emphasize that visual medium. So I, I think that's all right. And I like how that wasn't the only symptom he had. Like they they, they looked into mm -hmm. other symptoms for him and into his mannerisms as well. Have you ever, um, have you ever met anybody had any experiences with schizophrenia? Uh, yes. Okay. I'm not gonna go into detail, but yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I've had my experiences as well, and and I can I can share a little bit because I'm not actually. Let me take that back. I, I'm not sure if I've had my experiences with people with schizophrenia. But I've had my experiences with people who've had extreme paranoia mm. uh, because working in law enforcement. And for a while, I started thinking, man, does everybody like, is this like a common thing for people to have? Because we were getting like a couple of people come into the station reporting things. And it's like, all right, this doesn't, this doesn't sound right. You know, uh, but 
then I realized, okay, no, it makes a lot of sense for people with extreme paranoia to come to the police. Like if any mental illness is to come to the police, it'll be those who think that they're being followed. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, people who just think that there's somebody like we had someone who thought there were people in their bushes or they thought that the helicopter going by was like the CIA or the, mm-hmm. the FBI. Also, elderly people may experience hallucinations if they're dealing with things like dementia and stuff. I've had some experiences um, hearing about that. Yes. And uh, one of the interesting things about it as well is that it's not something that happens early on. Like it starts to mature kind of within the 20s, but it, it can come out of nowhere. Like I was speaking to a, um, a husband and his wife had like kind of got into this altercation with somebody cause she thought that somebody was photographing her and he, it was just because he had his phone out and then found out that she had this same incident with somebody else, uh, randomly who she thought was taking pictures of, uh, of her and she kind of had an altercation with them, told him to stop taking pictures. And that was kind of a conversation i had with him just sharing my experience to him like hey i've seen this kind of behavior before we had to uh, recommend them to behavioral health but i never seen it to where they like actually saw people and 70 percent of people i was reading on uh on google they they have auditory hallucinations or most have auditory hallucinations not visual Mm -hmm. yeah it's not it's not like what you usually see in like the tv books and comics and movies where all of a sudden they just got like this huge group of people telling them to do all these things. Uh, sometimes it's just, yeah, it, it, it can be on all different types of levels. It's not always super extreme. Are, are we kind of sprinkling the significance into this or are we going to do that as separate? Let's go ahead and sprinkle the significance into it because I think we have the same significance. And, and we're already on the topic of the, of the yeah, schizophrenia. Yeah, I kind of figured, yeah. Yeah, so go, go ahead. What did you have for significance? Yeah, I think that in general people were happy that it showed a more positive view of mental illness uh it showed the ability to live and succeed with mental illness and to the ability to have fulfilling relationships with mental illness too and i think having that portrayed in a well-achieved cinematic setting is is pretty important yes most most definitely because that was something i was worried about during this film because sometimes we have i forget we were talking about it before but Certain movies, it's almost like saying, well, if you think and you try hard enough, you'll get through it. No, you kind of, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot more work to it. It's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, definitely. But John Nash, actually, he didn't take his medication. He was able to learn to live with the with the hallucinations that he was having. Again, auditory, not visual. Uh, and he was kind of doing more of the, I guess, the willpower uh, way of it. I forgot the exact word that I read for it. But he was kind of... You know, he was kind of fighting it himself. However, that's highly unrecommended. But again, I don't really distrust him because, I mean, um, I don't I don't really blame him for some distrust as well, because we are talking about 1950s medication. Mm-hmm. And the, this was during the time of electrotherapy was being introduced. Now, they still do electrotherapy. Uh, I know. Do they? Yeah. I, I know someone oh. who does get um, electrotherapy. And it's not it's not what you see. It's not wrecking for a dream. It's not like this movie, uh, which I just realized they came in back to back. Uh, yeah, they're not. It's not like you're in the electric chair, but it is like they're sending impulses to your brain, like some heavy impulses. Interesting. That one's more. Hmm. I talked to you about neurofeedback, but electrotherapies. I think that one's actually evasive. Actually, it is invasive. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But you're not getting like. Well, maybe you get strapped down. I don't know. But it's not like what these. It's not like these movies. <laughs> Sounds scary. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, trust modern medicine and science a little bit more. Definitely would yeah, never definitely. trust 1950s. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, when was it? Especially because they, what year did they get defunded? Like, around what time was that? Because wasn't that uh, Reagan? That was Reagan era, wasn't it? Who got defunded? Uh, the the um mental health clinics, all everything for like behavioral health and helping out uh all the all the social work for it. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Reagan. If it's not, I'm sorry. But he did do a bunch of other crap. It was either him or Nixon. One of those two. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, that's why I was I was happy, though, that they chose to include that in the film, that he was taking his medicine. But I wasn't sure, uh, because there's a time where he... It's, I, it's unclear. Um, there's an incident where he almost drowns his child, and he... 
it doesn't confirm whether he continues taking his medicine or starts taking them again after that incident. Uh, but then later he says, later on in the film, that he has been taking the newer medications and they are more helpful to him and less uh, intense than his previous medication. Now, I didn't, uh, I couldn't tell. To me, it looked like the child was more the immediate danger that it was being burned. So that bathtub looked really hot because mm. don't, I'm going to say this, but babies float, right? Like, can babies drown? <laughs> yeah i think so as long as they don't get turned over but i think for uh, good like they float babies definitely float i don't mean like like head first like we all float no i mean like babies float i mean i think there was still implying that the danger was drowning yeah yeah it was still i mean definitely <laughs> okay. don't nobody go and try this unsupervised <laughs> you know if you want to see your baby float then yeah go ahead place it in you know appropriate temperature water and get back to us and let us know <laughs> if the baby floats or not i could also google it but middle of a show i think they're supposed to be able to write themselves better because i've seen there's like there's like really intense like videos like oh my six month old can swim and they like throw the baby into the water (laughs) i hate these videos they always stress me out they throw the baby into the water or sometimes they like gently put them in there sometimes uh and then the baby like will be like like its back will be facing the bottom of the pool and then, or no, opposite, opposite way. And then the baby like writes itself, like turns around, the ability to turn around underwater. Yeah. So, okay. So they do have an ability to float. Like they just have a natural ability because they're fat and they spent, like they just got done spending nine months <laughs> in water anyway. So. You fat baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it's because they, they have a high fat content. So they just, they just float. But it's not like you can't just throw your baby in the pool. It's like if you kind of hold your baby and keep them upright, they'll float. But yeah, they still have the ability to turn around and things become disastrous. Yeah, please don't throw your baby in a pool. <laughs> Where were we besides throwing babies? Uh, Medicine. <laughs> medicine. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we can see some of the worries with him taking the medicine. Uh, because one of the problems is that, as he explains, he can't respond, quote unquote, to his wife uh, intimately. And that's where her breakout performance to me was oddly placed because she went and got a drink of water right after that incident and she threw it down and she lost her mind. But Mm. because it happened right after the like right after they couldn't do anything, it made it seem like her whole issue was that she couldn't get any right right there. Not because like everything came crashing down. I felt more like it was just like that was like her whole issue. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a build-up, and I think that she was just generally unhappy in her marriage, and it didn't feel like a real marriage to her. So I could see how it was a bit of a build-up, but it was a little bit odd, because we hadn't really seen much from her before that. Exactly. We we hadn't seen much of a much of a build-up, like them going through, through other struggles. I think it kind of reminds me of another scene, and I think the scene was done a bit better. I know you don't like the movie. I I almost love the movie Manchester by the Sea. Uh and I think actually this particular scene is the one you don't like, which is the freezer scene of of him losing I, it. I honestly don't even remember most of his movie. <laughs> Did I say I disliked it or did I say it was just kind of eh? I think you said it was just kind of eh. But okay. I think it was more like you you were really against me liking it because you said eh. And I was like, man, this is one of the best movies of the year. And then Yeah. That's a <laughs> But but he's like putting something in the in the freezer and it just it just won't close and he just keeps pressing it, pressing it, and then he just starts losing it, just starts slamming the door. And I felt like that mm-hmm. was a better portrayal of of somebody just that finally having the straw that breaks the the camel's back. But that that felt like an actual like, okay, it, it isn't so much of what's occurring right now or what had just occurred immediately, but just in this moment everything's coming crashing down. Okay. So I think it just could have been better placed. Great scene, though. Great, uh, good performance from Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, I think so. And I just thought about it. It actually, it had a a good scene afterwards because uh, Russell Crowe's character, John Nash, is carrying the broken mirror, the glass. And so we had the shattered reflection. Ah, yes. <laughs> Sorry, all I thought was you, the duality of the woman. The, the duality of man. <laughs> I'm telling you, Michael Shannon had mommy issues 
in um had mommy issues and what's the other one uh approval or abandonment issues in shape of water it's all there it's laid out (laughs) so going a little bit back to the significance uh i also read that the executives at universal were um proud of the film's accuracy as far as uh, schizophrenic goes that they actually gave a copy of the film to pfizer and that Pfizer held a private screening uh, for a bunch of mental health organizations and professionals, which I didn't even know Pfizer was a thing back then. <laughs> obviously, we know Pfizer now from the COVID vaccinations, and obviously they've been around, but I thought that was interesting. Also, there there is one thing that they did skip over with his life, and that is his homosexuality, which I thought they were going to go into because he gives a look to Martin in the beginning of the film. And I guess with like the, the golden lights and everything, I thought that was like their, their eye to eye meet cute moment. So I don't know if that was the movie kind of hinting at it, but they, they decided not to go into the homosexuality because they did not want the movie to be portrayed as relating sexuality, homosexuality to schizophrenia, especially since we're talking 2001 homosexuality still uh, had a very negative perspective towards it. So this is something that could have been used to, to reinforce that negativity. So I thought that was a that was a good decision. At first I was like, once again, I was like, hold up, gotcha. Oh, wait, never mind. No, that's a, that's a good reason. Yeah, especially like during, you know, earlier times when that was also very much linked to mental illness. I think making a point not to make that link at that time was, was a good decision. Uh, so is he, uh, is, is he gay or is he bi? John Nash. Uh, he's, bi i guess you say he's either bi or one of the others that allows both genders or all genders both genders act he yeah he's he's bi. He, he has been with man and woman okay it has been reported that he has been with both <laughs> gotcha yeah because i i read that i read exactly what you're saying but then i was like he has a wife though so is he bi all right <laughs> and they actually they got married twice him and his wife the same woman? yeah same one Alicia Nash. Oh. Why? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe because of that. Well, he also, he had a, uh, he had another child out of wedlock. And uh, I heard that he wasn't so great of, uh, he, he wasn't so great when it came to that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, that that didn't help out his, his image so much. He was young during the time. I hope that later in life he, you know, he did do more for his illegitimate son as he was uh, called in the research I was doing. Gotcha. I would also say it's a good thing with the with the homosexuality, going back to that real quick, because we talked about the AIDS epidemic before. And while the AIDS epidemic started slowing down in the 90s, it would have sucked for the, for the LGBTQ community at that time to just get done with the AIDS epidemic and being related to that, to them being related to schizophrenia and other mental illnesses. Well, they already were. Okay, so they, then... This, yeah, this would definitely wouldn't have helped at all. Yeah, because I, I think that they didn't want to reinforce that particular ideology or stereotype or oh, okay. whatever you want to call it. Because a lot of times uh, homosexual people were committed just for being homosexual. Oh, yeah, that did that did happen a lot. Oh, I, I did want to talk about another film because I think there's another film and I believe it. It went out for some Oscars, and I think it's a similar movie to this, but it, it's better. Uh, and that's Imitation Game, which we talked about before because Keira Knightley and Benedict Cumberbatch are in that. So if you're kind of if you think if you already seen this film, which you probably have, if you're listening to spoilers and you want something similar or even better, then I would recommend Imitation Game. That's one I, I have to watch. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a must watch. I want to say that one's also modern, but I don't know at this point. That may have came out 30 years ago. No, I think it was yeah. like 2014. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's pretty modern. Can I discuss one detail that kind of had me laughing? <laughs> What's that? So, at in his delusions, he gets a access code that's inserted under his skin, uh, and it shows up under a blacklight. And that's how he gets the access code to where to drop off his research and work. And I just put in my notes, I like his Chuck E. Cheese access stamp. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, 
Yeah, that's also when you should have probably started questioning things. I, do, I was questioning, like, how he was entering the buttons at the drop site, especially it was the same drop site. So, like, this doesn't even make any sense. Why would the drop point be the same drop point? Yeah, like, nothing was making sense as far as, like, how things were being handled with this classified program. I was like, what the heck? So, I, I really should have given away that these were hallucinations. He also said but... that he thought the warehouses were abandoned. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that didn't make sense why they would be abandoned, and yet, but yet they were running a super top secret organization that was using a crap ton of electricity, and they definitely had to import a lot of that technology without being seen mm-hmm. by this continuing campus that they have going on. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up how he was digging in his skin to retrieve it, and the doctors just came in calmly. I was like, what are you doing? They did come in very calmly with that. Like, n- there was no, like, urgency to restrain him from hurting himself. Like, yeah, no. Well, one thing you want to be kind of careful about that is because there's a lot of blood. And you don't have the correct protection on. Like, you don't want to get into a fight. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to get that hands on. And then also, I think it's the whole emergency services when you've been in for so long that you just approach everything calmly. And if you can tell, mm-hmm. like, okay... He's def- He's not bleeding out per se. I mean, I'm not really sure what he's doing. I've been in a situation, not to this level, but I've been in somewhere. I'm like, what are, what are you doing? Is there anything you want to talk about uh, during the spoiler section? Because at least for me, I think that's it. That, I mean, that's actually half the movie right there. Yeah, that was really it for me. How did, how did you think? Because, I mean, this is a movie for inspiration. How did you feel the inspiration went? Or did you, did you feel inspiration? Did you, I don't know, did you go out and try to solve the... The Ryman equation <laughs> or hypothesis, because if you solve it, you actually get a million dollars. Oh, geez. Maybe yeah. I need to start doing that. <laughs> but I found that they've actually pulled things from that equation. Like they haven't been able to solve that equation, but they solved other things looking into that equation. And again, I was kind of getting interested. Um, No, I didn't find this to be particularly inspirational for me personally. Like I said, I feel that just all the emotional... And inspirational moments in this film were just undercut by the pacing in the script. Same here. I, Like I said, because we don't see his achievements other than him being able to come to terms with his own mental illness. So maybe it's more inspiring to those dealing with uh, something on a similar scale. But perhaps for, for what I saw now. But I think, too, it might be more inspirational. I mean, not that it can't be seen as inspirational nowadays, but... This being, you know, the first film in a time when mental illness was really stigmatized, I think that it may not be as inspirational today where I think that we have a lot more resources and understanding. Obviously, there still is definitely a stigma against schizophrenia. It's still there. And I don't know that we've seen too many films that really treat it correctly. Um, But I do think that we're taking small strides to destigmatize it. Does this film hold up for you? Um, I, I don't think there's anything that doesn't really hold up story-wise, except for, of course, the uh, weird unethical relationship, but it doesn't really go too much into that. But I feel like it just, I don't know. It, it feels like a film of its time in that I feel like that was the time that a film like this would blow up. With its simplicity and, uh, you know, by the numbers, as you said, storytelling. So, uh, yeah. So, yes and no. <laughs> to make it simple. <laughs> I think with the accurate portrayal of schizophrenia, this actually holds up. But again, it's mm-hmm. by the numbers. But I think those numbers we still kind of see today. And those still hold up. So I think this film holds up. It's just not that great. And I think even back then it wouldn't have been that great when we watched it yeah that's true but i don't see that like if this came out today with the other films that we've been getting i don't think that it would have won best picture oh no i yeah it's like i would have felt the same way either way but there's way more competition yeah i mean but i i don't even know that I don't know, maybe I have to rewatch some of those films that came out that year, but I, I, I think that there were better films that year and better films that were nominated for Best Picture. And again, Million Dollar Baby came out three years later, and that's another movie where I think mm-hmm. it goes by the numbers, but then there's a twist. Like, they squirt a little bit of lemon in it, 
and, yeah. and all the all the uh, what do they call all the war presenters or not the presenters the the voters are like hmm what's what's that in the water is that a little is that a little lemon a little citrus I taste yeah I mean I like to think that they're taking a little bit more risk with their picks but then again I've heard uh, Green Book was wasn't the best either it was pretty basic for what it was and that's still one a couple years ago sometimes we get lemonade sometimes we don't yeah yeah i mean the last two years have been wait what what won last year i don't even remember i don't (laughs) i remember not really caring for many of the oscar picks last year as opposed to the films that i really liked same i'm pretty sure none of our films made the i mean belfast was pretty up there i think belfast was nominated yeah it was nominated oh coda Oh, yeah, that's why I forgot. That one's by the numbers. So, yeah, maybe this would have done. <laughs> maybe this would have done all right. <laughs> I I like Coda, but it, it yeah, <laughs> I don't disagree with you. What would you give this film overall? Mm, I'm going to give it a... Uh, I hate saying this because I do like that it gave a positive betrayal schizophrenia and i think that it deserves to be applauded for that but i'm gonna go with a d plus i think that just any emotional resonance was just completely undercut by how this story was told and i think i just i don't like that (laughs) i was debating between a c and a c minus because i didn't want to get too close to a d but here you go d plus i'll go c minus because i'll keep it out of the d territory because of the accuracy especially for his time Mm -hmm. to schizophrenia but everything else, I mean, the, again, that story and pacing, uh, there were no really, there was nothing else that kind of pulls this film into a higher territory for me. I agree. Yeah. And like I said, I really don't want to undercut the positive in that. It's just the film itself. I, I just don't, it, it really didn't do anything for me. Hopefully our next assignment provides a movie we can give a, a higher rating to. And Caitlin, what is that assignment actually? Yeah, next week we're going to be actually trying to solve a series of murders as we tackle the Giallo film by Dario Gento, Deep Red. It's considered to be one of his best films and a film that I've been really excited to see. And I apologize if I pronounce Giallo wrong, Uh, but that is an area in cinema that we haven't tackled yet and I'm excited to talk about it. Is that part of the trilogy? It's not. Okay. Uh, I've only seen Suspiria, but I've been wanting to see more of his films, so I'm excited for this one. Also, this is a bit of an obscure pick in relation to the last four movies that we've done. Yeah. Or actually... We have been doing some really well-known movies. Some very well-known, and some, again, not modern, but a little bit closer up there. We, we've done a couple films. The last three films were 21st century. Yeah, and Deep Red came out in... 1975, so we are going back a bit. Godfather was 1978. Okay. Yeah, then I guess that's... I always think that movie was, like, the 90s, though. Yeah, I thought that was a lot later, but I... No, it doesn't... It makes sense that it wasn't. But I am excited to watch Deep Red. In the meantime, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at OpSilverScreen. On Facebook, we're going to be at Operation Silver Screen, but on Twitter and Instagram, that's OpSilverScreen. If you want to see some other films that we're watching throughout the week and maybe see some reviews on films that we don't talk about on here, please do follow our personal letterboxes. You can find mine at Coffee Spoon Kate. That's Coffee Spoon C-A-I-T. And you can find Brian at Swank Seal. That's capital S, capital S. Yep. Till then, Caitlin will be in HQ and I'll be at the drop point as Ed Harris has directed me to. I'm Brian. <laughs> and I'm Caitlin. See ya. Thank you.